and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is a special talk led by guest speaker Chuck Whitley. Today we have actually a special guest who will be guiding our time here this morning. Some of you have already heard about him, but let me just introduce to you why he's here and who he is. Uh, Some of you know that over the last month or so, we've been talking about our prayer training events this weekend. And I've mentioned that somebody, a special guest from our wider Ethnos family, would be here to help us with some of our prayer training. Um, We have the honor uh, this weekend of actually having Chuck Whitley here to guide us in those prayer training events. And as I was was processing, you know, just what God was doing in those events, I was like, you know what, Chuck, you just really need to take this time as well and just share with us your heart and what you're doing. Now, Chuck is a really uh, amazing person in general. He's really cool. And you'll see how cool he is when he gets gets up here. But Even more so, he's been an amazing uh, brother and friend and colleague to me. We actually met uh, back in the day in our graduate studies in all places in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and I think we're in Beijing. I forget what cities we are. We're doing some work, some doctoral work in Asia together, and that's how we met. And lo and behold, as we hit it off, we actually started working together in the very first Ethnos site, which is in San Diego. And so Chuck and I were both directors and pastors in San Diego working together. In the last few years, uh, we had a part ways because Chuck had to take care of some family issues back in his home state of Oregon. But um, he's back in the loop, uh, moving to California soon and about to re-engage some of our work together here through Ethnos. And so um, what has always struck me as really amazing with Chuck is how God relates to Chuck and how Chuck relates to God. Chuck has a knack for making like a theory of God really real. And part of that comes from his own life journey, which he'll probably talk about in his time here. But um, I'll let him continue his own introduction and share with us what he needs to share with us today. Can you invite Chuck up here this morning? Well, thank you, Yukon, and good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here today. I want to um, extend to you a warm welcome from Oregon and the West Coast. This is my first time out here, and I've received a warm welcome out here in New Brunswick as well. And today, I really want to talk about what does it mean to receive love, peace, and joy from God? I mean, I remember going to church or uh, spiritual places to worship and them talking or people talking about being loving, being joyful, and having peace, but it was almost as if I was supposed to muster this from my own strength. But what does it mean to receive love, peace, and joy from God? And how does that work? I'll be honest with you, no one ever explained that to me. I had to figure it out on my own. And so that's what I want to talk about today. If there is a God and He loves me, 
can I experience his love or a love that's outside of myself that gives me strength, that gives me confidence, and that gives me hope? Well, let me start out this conversation with a story of mine. When I was raised up in the mountains of Oregon, uh, way in the hills, I did not have a uh, real uh, happy childhood. I, I had my struggles. I won't go into it, but there was a lot of hard times. And my parents, they never went to, they did not consider themselves spiritual. They did not go to places of worship. They did not go to church. And I remember when I was growing up that I, I really had, I believe there was a God, but I never really had a desire to seek him. Um, sometimes we talk about skeptics and seekers. I wasn't a skeptic, but I wasn't a seeker. I just kind of didn't care. And when I was 18, I came to this point where I thought to myself, you know, life, life really isn't worth living. And if life is like this, I just assumed check out. And I literally made a plan to kill myself. Um, it was December, and I remember early on in my childhood, I almost drowned. And when you reach a point of being underwater for like four minutes, it kind of gets peaceful. I, I don't know why, but I thought to myself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to drown myself. Now, I don't know if you can actually do that. In fact, I think you probably can't actually do that, but I was not thinking straight. And I, I made a plan. I went to a high mountain reservoir in December. I remember the day. It was early in the morning, maybe 6 a.m., and the water in this reservoir was perfectly calm. And as the sun came up and the morning rays hit the water, I remember steam rising off the surface of the water. I remember snow on the ground. There's mountains behind the reservoir. They were covered with snow, and it was cold, and there was nobody else around. For some reason, I put on my swim chunks, and I thought, I'll try to swim across, and maybe if I chicken out, maybe I won't make it back. And I remember standing on the edge, and I swung my arms back just to jump in, and I hear a voice, and a voice said, why don't you give me a try? Now, this was interesting because it wasn't a feeling, it wasn't a whisper, this was like a loud, clear voice, and I remember feeling embarrassed, oh my goodness, someone's watching me, and I turned around to see who's behind me, and there was nobody there. And I began to look around, and I could see for quite a distance, I didn't see anyone on shore, I didn't see anyone in a boat. I didn't see anybody. So I, I began to call out, hello, who's there? There was no answer. And so I thought to myself, what if that was God? And what if he's talking? Now, some of you might go, well, that's good. You feel good, right? No, I was angry. If that was God, I was angry. Man, I could have used that voice 
all through my life, when I'm getting beat up, when I'm getting rejected, when my parents are yelling at me, I could have used that voice when I'm hopeless, when I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I could have used that voice to lead me, comfort me, and guide me, and now you're going to talk to me? I was angry, and so I remember putting my fist in the air, and I began to say, Lord, if that's you, I'll make you a deal. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll even go to church. I thought that was a big deal. (laughs) If you just make me happy, as soon as the word happy came out of my mouth, I felt what can, I can only describe as warm peace. Now, I'm in a bathing suit, there's snow on the ground, my feet are in icy cold water, but I felt this warm peace, it started in my head, and it went through my body down to my toes, and I felt like I could handle anything. I could handle rejection, I could handle hopelessness, I could handle people being mad at me, It's like I could handle anything. I ask for happiness, but for some reason, I receive this peace. I put my clothes on. (laughs) I got in my car. I went back home, and I thought to myself, I have got to figure out who God is because something just happened that I I just made a deal. I I have to follow through on this thing. So I found the closest place of worship. It was a church. It was a little country church. And I just started going. I didn't know what to do. And that really began my faith journey. And I learned some things as I reflect on that story. One of the things that I learned was I think God was trying to get to know me and wanted to get to know me more than I wanted to get to know him. And that just blows my mind because, you know, so often there's this this social interaction deal that we make. If you love me, I'll love you. And so often we assume God works under those same rules. If I love God, God will love me. And what I found out in that experience is God don't work under those rules. He loves me and wants to get to know me irregardless of how I feel about God. And he just found a time when I was listening and took advantage of that time. But there was something else I learned from that experience. That I can receive something from God that I could only describe as peace. And this peace that I can receive from God gave me the strength to face anything. I want more of that. And I want to engage him in such a way that I can continually receive love, peace, and joy. Now, there's a problem that we face What happens if we cannot answer this question, how do I receive love, peace, and joy? The the problem is this, so often we're caught up, uh, if we consider ourselves spiritual, we're caught up with two options. Number one option is to, well, walk in anger, hate, and hopelessness. We can walk in our own strength. That's one option. It's an option a lot of people take. And there's another option. The other option is we can fake it. 
And maybe you've seen people try to fake it. Sometimes we call them religious, kind of in a negative context. In fact, I've tried that method, and I've tried both methods. And for myself, neither one works. In fact, I found faking it is, is really the worst of the options, honestly. And so I decided, no, i got to be honest. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to pretend. But I want to figure this question out. What does it mean and how? What's the process? How do we receive love, peace, and the joy of God? I want to describe these things first. Because so often, if we've never experienced love, peace, and joy from God, so often we think of these things kind of in a diminished way. So let me first describe the love of God. In, in Scripture, in the book that we often call the Bible, or Jesus' followers call the Bible, there's kind of two sections. You've got the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scriptures, and we've got the New Testament, the Greek Scriptures. And in what we call the Old Testament, there's a word for the love of God in Hebrew, and it's called hesiod. If you've sat under Yukon, you've probably heard this word before. It describes what is the covenantal love of God. In it, it's one of the most words used words for the love of God in the Scriptures. And it is the love of God where God has chosen to love us irregardless of how we respond to him. He made a covenant with himself that he will love us no matter what. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship where you've loved somebody, you know that there's probably other emotions involved. You've probably been frustrated with people you're in love with, right? Just because you love someone doesn't mean those other emotions aren't at play, and that's true of God as well. But God has made a commitment with himself that he will love us no matter what. And in many parts of the Old Testament, there's a metaphor that describes the love of God. Let me share it with you, just in my own words. It's often the description of a woman who is pregnant giving birth. Now, I've never experienced this, but I've had many women kind of share with me the process of giving birth. Maybe some of you have experienced this. I'm no expert. By all means, correct me if I'm wrong, but often they describe a time of the most extreme pain they've ever gone through in all their life. And it's not like for a short period of time. Many of the women who describe birth to me say it was like for 12, 15, 20 plus hours of the worst pain I've ever experienced. But the moment the baby is laid into the arms of the mother, they describe this feeling of love for the child that made all the pain worthwhile. That is the kind of love that God has for us. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what pain we experience or even what pain we might cause him. He loves us that much. Question, how do I receive that kind of love? 
I know something. If I can receive that kind of love, and I think I have from time to time, what it does is it infects my relationships. I'm not drawing love from others. What I find is I tend to give love to others in the same way. It affects my relationship with my wife. She feels loved when I receive God's love, and it somehow binds us. I know it affects the relationship I have with my children. They feel loved, irregardless of their behavior, and there's this binding action. If I can get to the place where I can receive this and answer that question, how do I receive it? Then it affects all the relationships in my life to bring unity, to bring, I, I don't know, unity, I just describe it as love. There's this another thing that God has within himself. We call it peace. And again, in, in the, the scriptures, the book we call the Bible, there's often a word, and maybe you've heard it, that describes peace, and that's called shalom. Shalom encounters all kinds of aspects of peace in the Old Testament. One aspect of peace is peace with ourselves. Another aspect of peace is peace with God. It describes social peace or peace from one nation to another. It describes a peace between people groups. God lives in this shalom peace. And when I think about a, a picture or a description in the scriptures of the shalom peace of God, I think of creation. In the first book of the Bible, it's called Genesis, and it describes that God created. I don't know how God created, but God created, and after every time he created, well, he created for one, two, three, four, five, six days, and on the seventh day, it is described that he rested. He stepped into his peace, and that became a metaphor down through the scriptures all the way into the New Testament of an aspect of the peace of God. God is at peace, and he is at rest, and we are told that he invites us into his peace and his rest. If I can get that peace, no unpaid bill will shake me. If I can get that peace, when my boss or my supervisor overlooks me, I could handle it with a smile without hating him or her. If I can get into that peace when people reject me, I, it doesn't shake me. I need that peace. And the question is, how do I receive it? Thirdly, lo uh, peace, love, peace, and joy. It's interesting. God is described as someone who has joy in and of himself. But not that he has it just for himself, but the joy of the Lord he offers to us. Now let me describe it one more time. In, again, the creation story in the first book of the Bible called Genesis, we read that when he created, it is said that he declared it good. This is really an ancient Hebrew way of saying God had a smile on his face after 
he saw the work of his hands. Have you ever done a project and you did a good job? You were happy. You had joy. It was good. We're told seven times as he created that it was good. And when he had finished his creation, he declared it very good. He had a lot of joy. He was very happy with the work that he created. We are described other places in Scripture that the joy of the Lord is our strength, which describes a reality that we could step into that. How do I step into the joy of the Lord? How do I step into His love? How do I step into His peace? Over the years, I've worked on this, and I think I've... I've figured a few things out that I want to share with you. I have found that I cannot step into love, peace, and joy when my heart is caught up in the opposite. What, what's the opposite of love? Hate. When my heart is caught up in hate, it's like it's distracted from the love of God. And I have to give that thing over. I have to give hate over. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Pastor Chuck, that's great, but I don't hate anybody. Well, let's talk about a continuum of hate, if you don't mind, where hate is up here at the very top, and we think about a continuum. Maybe it starts down here at the place of just being frustrated with this person. It starts there. I'm sorry. It's still on the continuum of hate and still distracts me from the love of God, and I have to give it over. If I can give it over, I can receive something else. Well, what is the opposite of peace? Conflict. I don't know about you, but I have conflict in my life. And, and you know what? Most of the time, it's my fault. I'm a guy who has a lot of high standards. You know how hard it is to be married to a person with high standards? You know, people with high standards have the arrogance of believing that you should live up to my high standards. It's not easy. My wife does not go through it very easy. You know how hard it is to have a dad that has high standards? And I think they should live up to what I think they should be doing. Honestly, it causes a lot of conflicts. And I, can, I know time and time again, I go to the Lord and I say to the Lord, Lord, I messed up again. I need to give you this conflict. The conflict is really in my heart, but it's spreading to my relationships. And I need you to take it and give me the opposite of the conflict. I need you to give me peace so that when I interact with just my wife and kids, there's peace there and not conflict. you got to be in control. I have to step out of control. What's the opposite of joy? I don't know, maybe you have other ideas, but I've experienced that in my life, the opposite of joy is negativity. When I get caught up in negativity, when I see the worst in people, when I see the worst in my family, when I see the worst in my coworkers, when I see the worst in my boss, when I see the worst in society, when I see the worst in, I don't know, whatever you pick, I find that it blocks my ability to receive joy. And I have to give it over. You know, when we look in Scripture, there's this really cool passage. And we, we 
printed it out on a piece of paper. It's in a book we call Isaiah. It's chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. And let me just give you a sense of the context so we can understand the passage well. Here, Isaiah is engaging with God, and he's considered a prophet. And he's looking down through history. And as he looks down through history, he talks about the servant of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. And in it, in verses 1 and 2, he describes the work of Jesus. And I want to read verses 1 and 2, but I'm going to focus on verse 3, because he makes us an offer of exchange in this passage. Let me read it to you. I'm reading from the NIV today. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He, he cares about the poor. He cares about the homeless. He doesn't come to beat them up. He doesn't come to push them down. He comes to bring good news to them. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives he, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God and to comfort all who mourn. When you mourn, he cares, and he wants to do something about it. And in our next verse, he kind of shares with us what he would like to do. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a spirit of... here. And a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness and planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When we give him our ashes, he gives something in return, beauty. When we give him our mourning, he gives us something in return, our joy. When we give him our despair... He gives us something in return, not negativity, but praise. And I've learned again and again and again, I have to be willing to give him these things just so I can be in the place to love people. When we look at the result of this, we are described of, as oaks of righteousness, Oaks of righteousness is the symbol of strength. When I'm able to give him my garbage and receive from him love, peace, and joy, I am described as somebody who is strong. The bills don't shake me. The negativity doesn't shake me. Being looked over doesn't shake me. And it won't shake you as well. You know, this is kind of how I do it. I will come across a situation where I notice hate or frustration welling up in my heart. And, or I will engage with my wife, and I notice I'm engaging with her negatively. And, and that negativity is getting on her, and she's being negative. It's not her fault. It's my fault. If it's my fault, I have to fix it. And I, I have to go to God, and this is what I do. I say, Dear Lord, 
I need to give you this frustration and hate. And I want to give over the lie that you judge me for it. And I want to accept the truth that you are happy to take it from me. And then I say this phrase at the very end, Lord, I give this to you. Do you have anything for me in return? Sometimes what he does for me is he reminds me of the people I need to forgive or other things I need to give over, and I just do it again. But sometimes I just feel burdens rolling off my back and peace welling up in my heart, and I just sit in it. I sit in it, and I receive it so I can give it to the people I love and the people around me. Sometimes it's not love, it's just peace. Sometimes it's not peace, it's just joy. Sometimes it's not joy, it's hope. It's whatever I need because only He knows truly what I need. And I have found when I do this, I've, I think I've scratched the surface, and I think there's more, but when I do this, I think I'm able to receive that love, peace, and joy that he wants to give us all. You know what? Would it be okay if you feel comfortable to just practice this right now? Not out loud, in the quietness of your own heart. If you want to, would you bow with me if you feel comfortable? And let me just lead you through a prayer like this. As we do it, I'm going to ask you, What is something that you need to give over to God right now so you can receive his love, peace, and joy? What has blocked this from flowing through your life today or this week? Let's just give it over. I'll say it. I'll walk us through it. And then you just, if you're comfortable, say it in the privacy of your own heart. So bow with me if you don't mind. Dear Lord, and just say in your own heart, dear Lord. I want to give you, and in your heart, name what you would like to give him. I want to give over the lie that you don't care about me. And in your heart, just say that or something like it. And I want to accept the truth that you are excited to take my garbage. Just say that in the privacy of your own heart. And then, Lord, I give this to you. What do you give me in return? Just say that in your heart and then take a moment to listen. See if he gives you anything. If he asks you to give over something else, then just repeat the process. If you can feel his love, peace, or joy, just sit in it for a minute.
And Lord, we lift this up to you in praise and thanks that you love us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Undoubtedly, for some of you, you had an experience of God, but undoubtedly, some of you didn't. Maybe nothing happened. I experienced this too, and what I find when that happens, I just have more I need to give over, and so instead of giving up, I just press in, and the reason I press in is because my wife needs me to be in the right place. My children need me to be in the right place. The people who work on my team need me to be in the right place. And I think that you work with people also who would like you to be in the right place. Well, I want to thank you for letting me share with you today. And I guess I want to ask a question. I want to do two things. Do any of you have a question for me? And if not, I want you to have a conversation of what you experienced at your table or in your group. Just share with the people around you what you experienced in that prayer. But first, do any of you have a question for me based on what we talked about today? You guys are awesome. All right. Then I want you to just take a couple minutes and share the experience, this prayer experience. And again, if nothing happened, it's okay to say nothing happened. If something happened, share it and encourage the people at your table. And then I'm just going to pass this off to you, Con. Thank you. Hey, let's give it up to Chuck. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Chuck. So yeah, two minutes. Get, to the, get with the people around your table. Talk about this experience. And then we'll wrap it up right after that, all right? Thanks so much. Well, I know, I assume there's more to process what, with what you have experienced. And if uh, you've been here for long enough, you know we've, we've kind of tried to do these moments too as well, where you, you hand over something to Jesus and experientially, you know, ask him to give us something. And I just want to remind us, the reason why we're able to do all of this is because when Jesus was here, he actually did invite us to do this. He invited us to say, hey, he, he said something like this, come to me, everyone who's weary and, and burdened, I will give you rest. And so he's always been inviting us into this, this exchange. But what was really amazing was that when Jesus eventually died on a cross, and many of you know that story, that that was kind of his main purpose here. When he eventually died on a cross, Really, the ultimate exchange happened there, where he took on this, the brokenness and hurt and evil and sin of the world. In exchange, he gave us his perfect life and all that his perfect life guaranteed for us before God and before others. Here at Ethnos, we believe this person of Jesus and what he's done truly has revolutionized the world. Everything he said and ultimately everything he did, especially on that cross, gave us all that we can experience today that Chuck has just mentioned. And so we just want to invite you, if you are still processing this, please, 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 let's keep processing it. It's, it's a journey and there's a continuum. It takes time. 
Make sure you process with us when you can. Chuck will be around afterwards if you want to talk to him. We have one more prayer seminar that he'll be leading, actually uh, right after this time around 1 o'clock, so you can come to that and process some more. If you want, you can uh, shoot us an email, Facebook us, whatever you need to do. Let's make sure we continue to press into this process, all right? Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.